0: If you bought a 2022, or for that matter, a 2021 WILI Eastern Connecticut weather calendar at the Willimantic Food Co-op, may not realize it, but you also benefited a couple of important local organizations, the Wyndham Interfaith Ministry and also the Covenant Soup Kitchen. And we have folks to join us this morning from both those organizations, the Director of WAME, Victoria Nemorowski, and the Director of the Covenant Soup Kitchen, Kimberly Clark, joining us today. Ladies, good morning. Thank you for joining us today. And I guess that uh, we're going to make a check presentation later on today for the proceeds from the calendar to both your organizations Victoria, let me start with you. Do you have that money earmarked for any particular program with the Wyndham Area Interfaith Ministry?
1: Well, good morning, Wayne, and thank you for having us this morning. Um, absolutely, we are going to be using that money towards rental assistance. Um, we've been having a lot of increases in requests for that type of assistance, as a lot of it is aftermath of COVID and um, we can use every penny that we get um, in that area. So we're very grateful.
0: And same question for Kimberly Clark. Kimberly, how does the money raised by the weather calendar earmark with the Covenant Soup Kitchen?
1: Oh, hi Wayne. Thanks very much for having us today. Um, Similarly, we have a project going right now that we're really thrilled about. We've finally been able to expand um, the community food pantry, which Previously, it was in the basement of our building and not accessible. And we're in the process of relocating that um, to an accessible space that's larger, that will be open full-time, um, and the proceeds from the calendar fundraiser will go right there. We've seen so many more requests for support through that program, and we want to make it um, as, as wonderful as it can be and have the guests. Um, we're working closely with our guests to create the program that they really need there. So it's a huge support at a, at a perfect time, and we're looking forward to being able to display a greater variety of products, put our diaper bank in there, um, our personal care items in there, more healthy food options, more non-perishables, um, more uh, fresh foods and dairy products. So it's going to be fantastic. It's about four times larger than the space we have now.
0: Outstanding. And Kimberly, this has been a pretty good week for the Soup Kitchen because earlier this week, David Foster made the announcement that the Lester and Phyllis Foster Foundation is giving over $200,000 to various programs with the Covenant Soup Kitchen. I realize that our calendar contribution kind of pales in comparison, but you'll take anything you can get. And along those same lines, taking things you can get, what can the community do to help out the Covenant Soup Kitchen, including non-perishable food items?
1: Wow, that was a lot all in one sentence, Wayne. Um,
0: Take them one by one.
1: (laughs) The Foster Foundation, um, David and Marilyn in particular, have been such amazing supporters of our mission and our work. And one of the things that really drives David is to take away some of the facility maintenance and repair costs that we have because we own our property. Um, And so that was the catalyst behind much of his giving, and that's going to let us really do the renovations the right way. We've had to deal with a great number of large-scale projects in the last few years to deal with a leaking foundation which floods the soup kitchen and dining room, asbestos abatement throughout the whole facility, um, inaccessible restrooms. So we, we've been working really hard to put this place into the proper health, safety, and accessibility standards that everybody should expect and that we want for our guests. We want them to have the most dignified experience when they come here asking for help. and the funds from the Foster Foundation and from the community. I mean, we get funds enveloped with $2 bills, which are as meaningful as large donations. It really takes the entire community to keep us going, and we're so grateful for the support um, and never feel like it's too little. We're very grateful for all of the support that we get.
0: Wait a minute. People actually donate a $2 bill to the soup kitchen?
1: Absolutely. And it comes, uh, there's a particular family, it comes every year. Um, We we get donations from people from all walks of life, from our guests, uh, from everywhere, honestly. And it's, it's deeply meaningful when you see that people maybe only have $2 to give to us.
0: That's a great story. I'd not not heard that one before. And Victoria, when it comes to the Wyndham Area Interfaith Ministry, what have been the effects of the pandemic and COVID, which is going on two years now, regarding the WAME services, and how do you adjust?
1: Well, we are finally getting back to uh, a more normal delivery of service. Um, We're open for business, regular hours. Before, we were doing mostly by appointment. We didn't shut down at all during COVID. I want to Definitely emphasize that, but um, we did have to change the way that we were doing that we were doing things. One of the um, service effects of COVID was that we a lot of our volunteers were uneasy about uh, coming into Wame and dealing with the public. So we we lost a lot of volunteers during that period, but they are coming back, and we still need more. So we are. Um, having a real emphasis on doing some good volunteer recruitment as we get our programs back up to where they were (laughs) pre-COVID. One of the things that we are seeing now, especially since a lot of the government uh, services have, or uh, financing from the government has dried up or has been overcome with uh, requests is um, rental assistance. Uh, We are getting so many requests from people who are behind in their rents, and also for energy assistance now that the moratoriums have been lifted, we're getting a lot of requests from folks who uh, have fallen behind and who are still unable to work the way that they did prior to COVID. Um, people are still really experiencing hardships from the first big waves of COVID that we had and now again from this most recent wave. So it's it's really been... Um, quite a, a challenge um, to, to remain consistent with the delivery of services and to pivot base it, based on what is happening with respect to the virus in the community.
0: And Kimberly, same question for you about the effects of COVID on the operation of the Covenant Soup Kitchen. You've obviously, for the last couple of years, had to change your protocol, masking and distancing and all that kind of stuff as people come to utilize your services.
1: Yeah. Um, we've, we've seen more people than ever before. Um, you know, we've been here every day. We haven't missed a meal. We, we've been struggling with the loss of volunteers um, because it just wasn't safe for people to be here. Um, but we've been kept afloat by a very dedicated and very small group of people, many of whom come every single day, and they are just ready to serve. Whatever challenge pops up, they're here for us. Um, the pandemic probably brought our numbers to four or five times normal right at the beginning. Which caused panic here. Um, it pushed us outside right onto Valley Street at a time where more people than ever were in need of support. Um, that made us very easy to find and let a lot of new people accept help in a way that was more comfortable for them than if they'd have to come inside and, you know, have conversations with people. Um, we've worked closely with our guests to expand our services during this time. Um, in fact, we haven't, we haven't lost any services, but we've, we've worked hard to, um, just provide whatever the guests in the community is telling us that they need. So we've been able to expand our diaper bank. We've been able to expand our home fund delivery program. We have so many requests for that support, and we're in need of drivers and volunteers for that. Um, we've added a meal to our weekly rotation, but there was not a Saturday meal in town, so we've been able to add a Saturday meal to make sure that nobody's going without. We just want to alleviate some of the stress experienced by the vulnerable families that we serve and keep food on their tables. And provide whatever other items we can. Um, in addition to food, there's a lot of things that have come through the soup kitchen that people had difficulty acquiring, especially during the pandemic. So it was not unusual to give out lunch and ice cream and toilet paper and laundry soap all at the same time doing one of our daily distributions. And we're still doing that. We've been doing it every single day.
0: Well, it'll be cold again tomorrow. And on Tuesday, it was extremely cold and windy too. So a little shout out for your volunteers. And by the way, on Tuesday, was Ray Aramini out there helping out wearing shorts? Uh,
1: it, it wasn't Ray, but we have a number of people who wear shorts here. <laughs> <But> <laughs> Ray, Ray, does it point.
0: <laughs> Ray does it all year long. It's amazing, even on those cold days. He'll probably do it again tomorrow. Hey, speaking of Ray, you might want to say a word, Kimberly, about the Plunge for Hunger. That's something he's actively involved in with his rugby guys.
1: Yeah, it's coming up. It's It's a very important fundraiser. Um, You know, we have had some support with renovations and and facility maintenance projects, but to keep the doors open and the shelves stocked, we need to, you know, fund our daily operating, and that's what the Plunge for Hunger does. Um, The Jeffrey P. Austin Family Foundation has granted us a, a matching grant again this year, which we're so grateful for, and the Plunge, unfortunately, will have to be held virtually, due to, you know, the increased numbers in the area. Um, but we're hopeful that people will still participate. Technically, the plunge is on Saturday the 5th, but you can plunge this year anytime you want. Send us a video or send a picture. Um, we're, we're very excited to, to have this event.
0: And, Victoria, equal time for you. February 12th, you've got the Cupid Made Me Do It two-mile run. Tell me about that.
1: You know, this is such a fun event Wayne and you know it's one of those events that we actually have nothing to do with organizing um, the organizers do everything on their own they do all of the uh, event promotion they do the solicitation of sponsors um, A to Z is all on them and all they ask from us is that we show up and help them on the day of and just Really enjoy the festive atmosphere of this event. It's a two mile run in Willimantic. Folks go wacko. They dress up for, it's <laughs> right on February 12th. So they dress up in crazy costumes, um, generally associated with Valentine's Day. Um, it's the same weekend, same day actually as the chocolate festival. So it's a cupid's Willimantic's cupids usually show up to greet all the runners. Um, it's it's just a a great event and it raises funds for Wame and um, I, I can't say enough about it. It's it's definitely one of our favorites and we have a lot of events for sure.
0: Notice the similarity between the Plunge for Hunger and the Cupid Made Me Do a Two Mile Run. They both involve unusual costumes and outlets. Getting back to the serious stuff, though, you know, with all the stats we hear about COVID, you don't hear a lot of stats about long haulers. My niece, Cameron, is one of those long haulers who got it and her life was changed, sadly, for the worse. But, Victoria, tell me about the people you're seeing, the long haulers, and how that's affected their life and their need for your services.
1: Oh, my goodness, Wayne. This is one of the tragedies. Um, I've recently been... Working with a woman uh, locally who, you know, worked full time, never not worked in her life. Uh, she got COVID early on. As a result, she she did physical work prior to COVID. Um, she's unable to uh, maintain the same hours that she used to. She used to be able. She worked at FedEx, and she used to be able to uh, load a truck by herself. Now she says she can barely walk across the, the uh, parking lot to get in there. So she is, and she's helping out. She's still there, but she's down to like maybe four hours a day if she can make it. So as a result, she's fallen behind in all of her expenses. Um, and the, I, I think the, the level of stress that something like this creates in someone is as serious as anything else because they have no experience with this. They have no idea how it's going to affect the rest of their lives, and their basic needs that have been so severely impacted by not being able to function the way they did prior to COVID. So it's, um, it's, it's a real issue, and we're seeing more and more of it, more and more people coming in and, again, asking for uh, and receiving assistance from Wayne for things that um, certainly basic needs like rent and energy assistance, but also things that have fallen behind, like car insurance and um, their inability to pay their car taxes and and things of that nature. It's very disconcerting.
0: And Kimberly, as far as the soup kitchen is concerned, I did touch on the non-perishable food donations earlier. I'd like you to talk about that, but also you talked about how it's harder to get volunteers now, which have always been a staple of what you've done over the last 30 or 40 years with the soup kitchen. So what do you need in the way of volunteers and also non-perishable food items?
1: Um, I think the biggest need right now is the need for volunteers who are able to deliver food to families in need. Um, Like Victoria, we've We have a lot of our guests who have been impacted by COVID, either um, directly, we've lost some of our guests, which is just heartbreaking, um, but they've not been able to work. They've had to take reduced hours. They're just not well enough, um, and they're requiring more support than ever. They need help more often, and they need help in many different ways. So, you know, it's even bringing them warmer clothes, bringing them food, bringing them cleaning supplies and personal care items. So that's a that's a big need that we have. Um, we try to address all of the requests for home deliveries as they come in, but we're trying to create a program that's more stable and, and kind of runs itself. So volunteers there are hugely helpful. Volunteers in the kitchen would also be very helpful. Our kitchen manager, Jan Cukowski, is amazing, and she has a great team, but they've been working really hard preparing, you know, from scratch meals we've had up 1.4 million meals already more than that actually so they're in need of food and volunteers who can come and help and you know as people have been going back to work and going back to school we've lost some of the new volunteers we acquired during COVID so we're going through another dip in in volunteerism and we will be you know working hard to recruit new people to have them join our team.
0: Well, we're glad we could do our part helping out the Windham Area Interfaith Ministry and the Covenant Soup Kitchen with all, 100% of the proceeds from the calendar sales that happen at the Willamette Food Co-op. will be going today in a presentation to the Windham Area Interfaith Ministry and the Covenant Soup Kitchen. And we also want to thank Alice Rubin, the general manager of the Willamette Food Co-op, so cooperative the last couple of years as our... We used to sell them here at the radio station, but now people don't come here because we're basically closed because of the pandemic. So the Food Co-op took that responsibility, and they've done a wonderful job cooperating with us, and we'll make that presentation later on today. Kimberly Clark, director of the Covenant Soup Kitchen, Victoria Nemorowski, director of the Wyndham Area Interfaith Ministry. Really glad you're doing such great work for our community, and thank you for joining me today. Thank Thank you, Wayne. 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.